Support for this podcast comes from Arts Emerson, with Shakespeare's measure for measure in a ripped-from-the-headlines context that is as shocking as it is illuminating. Contemporary society and a political epic collide, revealing the truths of authority, love, and justice. Measure for Measure is a collaboration between London and Moscow, and presented in Russian with English subtitles running one week only. October 24th through 28th at the Emerson Cutler Majestic Theatre. Tickets at artsemerson.org. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lexus Broadway in Boston. What would happen if Monty Python and Sherlock Holmes had a Broadway baby? You'd get the play that goes wrong. Playing the Emerson Colonial Theatre November 7th to 18th. Tickets at LexusBroadwayInBoston.com. Welcome to the Homeboy School Podcast with your host, Gil Christine Boyer, George Bacazzi, and Paul Muser. Let's have a show. All right, so today, first thing off, we'll be discussing a new Georgia court ruling where DACA students can be denied a cheaper in-state tuition. All right, to start off, so what is DACA? DACA is an immigration program where people who came here before the age of 16 illegally can get up to two years. They can apply for DACA, and they'll get two years of um, legal residence, and then they can apply every two years to keep renewing that. Yeah, and so the whole like idea behind this thing is that, you know, these kids came here, they were brought here with their parents like 99% of the time. Um, they were brought here with their parents like unwillingly and it wasn't really their choice, so it's pretty unfair, I mean, to to punish them severely and harshly with the uh, normal normal punishment. Well, the punishment would yeah. be sending them back to their home countries. Yes. And then, like, for some of them, or for many of them, they don't really remember their home country. What they know is America, and their home is America. So the idea is sending them back to their home country would be unfair when really they just identify as Americans, and it's just, it's not. Right. Yeah, and DACA does not equal citizenship. Uh, what DACA actually does, it just protects um, these young people who came here not by choice with their parents illegally uh, from deportation and also gives them a work permit and a, and a driver's license. So, uh, in different situations. But um, so the big issue is that um, if you're in DACA, you're actually not guaranteed to be an American citizen. You apply for renewal every two years, and that could either be accepted or rejected. And that's a common myth, I think. A lot of people just say it's it's a pathway to citizenship, and that's why it's they really, think it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's like, that's why a lot of people say it's wrong, because it's unfair for them to just easily get it. But it's not, it's not, it's not the case. But what's happening is, so in this Georgia court ruling, they're saying that DACA, DACA students or DACA residents will not have the same rights as a normal resident in that state, which is saying they're basically unequal. Now, they're citing a 2015 U.S. Department of Education memo that said that this was allowed, that in-state tuition, each state could decide if DACA residents would be allowed this in-state tuition. But really, I don't think it's fair because they're essentially citizens for this, the period of two years, except... In this, in this, in this respect. I mean, yeah, they get protected rights just like every single other, you know, American does. Besides the voting part, obviously. But um, w what I find interesting, if you are an American citizen for ninety nine percent of the time, why should a state dictate? Why why should a state take away a law that you are you're allowed that you that you are allowed that you're given by by you know by the land? So it it just doesn't make sense that they're they're American or or they get the rights as everyone else but can't afford this. And one, one shocking fact about this is that, you know, uh, DACA recipients are actually not, they're not allowed to apply. They, they don't have access to federal student aid. So it's not like, you know, they have other ways of, of paying for school. The, the in-state tuition is, you know, a way to, it's, it's like a discount where they can kind of pay for it in, in a cheaper way. Now, one argument would be like DACA residents' parents 
well, they're most likely illegal because they came here illegally, right? And so their parents are not paying taxes. And for the most part, any other person in that state, their parents are paying taxes. And these taxes is what would be going towards this in-state tuition, this lower fee, right? Because yeah. they're paying taxes to the state. And so the state can lower the income. So one argument would be, why should DACA students be getting the money from hardworking Americans' parents who are paying taxes. Exactly. I mean, th- basically the whole point of like an in-state school is that you are paying taxes to the state and that's why you receive the benefit of going, of getting a cheaper tuition for that Or not just school. you, your parents. But yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, basically you and your parents. And um, in, in Georgia currently, there's over 21,000, uh, 21,600 uh, active DACA recipients and all those 21,600 possibly, not even possibly, will not have access to um, statewide financial aid. And so what this is saying is, like, this is a relevant number, 21,600, right? That's a lot of people who are being affected. And this could set a precedent for many other states. So we kind of have to decide now, like, is this something that, like, we should be doing? Because really, a DACA person, a DACA resident, a DACA has the same amount of rights as any other legal resident in this country, except as I've seen in this respect. And that's why I don't really understand why especially since they're not eligible for financial aid in most schools. Yeah, and for example, I mean, we're we're high schoolers, and these DACA recipients, you go to the elementary school with them, to kindergarten, to high school, and it's just, it's it's, it's messed up Mm -hmm. that you see, you know, someone who you've been just as American as you are, if if not, if if not more Mm -hmm. in some situations, why should they not have access to what you have? You know, a lot of people do depend on state schools because they are, usually affordable and offer a lot they, they make a lot of sense for a lot of people and so it's unfair that DACA recipients who allegedly have you know as much as, as, as much rights as, as a legal as a legal American citizen as, as a legal American resident that they do not have access to this I mean mm. and this is especially considering how I mean we all know how expensive schools are in America so I mean and I mean most DACA people like coming to the United States illegally I mean you're not definitely not very wealthy so you're coming here poor and can't afford like any, any and I mean the school, idea so. that they're not even eligible for, for financial aid financial aid for many is almost the only way they can pay for school besides a loan and a loan it leaves you I think I've heard some some of my, uh, some of the people I know who are older they're 150 160 thousand dollars in debt from school if the, if a DACA per- resident wants to go into in-depth schooling, they're going to leave hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I mean, this in-state tuition, let alone that, let alone student aid, I mean, there should be better ways for them to get an education because if, if it may not be a path to citizenship, but if you want them to contribute to society in a way that's further than just minimum wage job or another type of job, I mean, you're, you're going to have to give them an opportunity for an education that yeah. goes past high school. And now, interestingly, this was also sent to the Supreme Court once, um, and it, uh, the Supreme Court the rejected County it. Supreme Court, yes. Yeah, and they rejected it, so that's interesting that a lot of people are, I guess, just against mm-hmm. it and find that it's right that this is happening. So, mm-hmm. And I don't understand it, because the Board of Regents, like, they've been arguing that they're not lawfully present in this country. The whole point of DACA is that they're, it's a way for these illegal immigrants to be lawfully present, but they're still 
try and argue they're not lawfully present. They shouldn't be getting this in-state tuition, but I, 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 I disagree. And kind of just to go back to the point of how expensive college is, and this is right about the time where you know, we'll all, we've all been looking at colleges and where you're making the decision, you know, do I want to go private? Um, what are the benefits? What are the pros and cons of going private? And do I want to go state? And a lot of the, a lot of the times, in-state just makes sense. For example, um, University of Georgia, uh, for in-state, it's $26,000 for mm-hmm. a year. Um, Out-of-state, is $44,000 for a year. I mean, looking at those two prices, almost half for someone you know, who's a DACA recipient, I'm I'm gonna guess that you know they're not making the most money. They're not they're struggling to get by. And when you you know you get a forty four thousand dollar bill to go to school when you you're just as American as everyone else, that's unsettling. You know you see the people who you have gone to elementary school to you've literally spent you know you know about seventeen years of your life with them, and then you realize oh wait I don't get the benefits that they do. I can't go to this school that I've spent you know seventeen years of my life because. I'm 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 not I'm not fully American yeah. because it's too much to afford. I I think it's sad. The one thing that I don't think any parent wants to hear or any student wants to hear is that I can't go to school because I can't afford it. You know, that's one thing that it shouldn't be like yeah. that. And so you were saying that the uh, in-state tuition for University of Georgia is around like twenty six thousand. So that's still I mean obviously not cheap. And then so for some students who can't even afford that, there's no um, what's it called? There's no financial there is, aid there as well. Federal so. financial aid, and you you could get you know a, a personal loan. But you know the rates on those, they're yeah. not the best. For an 18-year-old out of high school with you know, undocumented parents, I don't think you know, the bank is going to be very friendly to you, giving you a, a, a good, a good mm-hmm. percentage. And then they're you're just really accumulating not. debt for And these, uh, DACA, for these DACA residents already have all the disadvantages of having parents who come illegally, which means they're probably not getting the highest-paying jobs, right? So they don't even have the money to pay for like the in-state tuition, mm-hmm. how are they going to get the money to pay the out-of-state tuition? And so like, if you're looking for a cheap option for college, I mean, there just isn't one for a DACA student. I mean, there are other options outside of college, which would be trade school. But why should we limit someone who just a, a DACA resident when he's in here, I mean, legally? Exactly. Like back to Gil's point, you know, once you're given all these opportunities and then there's just like, why just take out this one opportunity out of all the ones you have, out of all the rights you have as, mm-hmm. a, as a DACA resident? And I think this this kind of brings the question, what is the American dream? A lot of the times, the American dream is the immigrant dream, is the immigrant who comes here, works mm-hmm. hard, earns something, makes something out of nothing. What I see here is that the American dream is there, but only if you're not in the DACA program, only if your parents didn't come here illegally. Mm-hmm. What I fail to understand, how can we, you know, the big question is, how can we even call it an American dream if we're literally cutting off what w- w- I mean, with a with such a price difference like that, we're we're shut we're shutting down someone, dep- just based on the fact that they were not born, based on the fact that their parents brought them here illegally. I mean, you need to keep in mind though that like, okay, like I understand that all this is unfair, but still, I mean, it's this isn't someone who's coming to uh, coming to America with the right in the right process. I mean, they are still keep in mind they are still coming here illegally, which but is they didn't make that choice. Some of them don't have options, like. I was reading some stories. There's some people who are running away from past that they just don't want to be a part of, right? They had, uh, like, abuse at home or they had, I mean, they just were in, like, extreme poverty. They just don't have anywhere to go back to. I understand that. No, I I completely understand that. But there's also people all over the world dying dying to come to America. And it's, I mean, I, I, like, I, I agree with most of the things here, but it's just that the fact that, I mean... Mm-hmm. The the whole American dream thing is is it's it's difficult to say that it's like that DACA people can't really live it. I mean they can't really but, but live, they it, can't but live it. They can't live it. They can't. But like it's that I feel like that's somewhat understandable because in the end of the day, like 
they did come here illegally. I mean, it shouldn't be understandable. If you have all the rights, mm-hmm. as if we all have the same rights, why should we have? Why should we have? Why should one of us have an exception? That's the issue. If I'm allowed to go to, pri- to public schools with you for for for, my, for 17 years of my life, if I live, if I'm American, if I live the American, you know, the, if I'm part of the American culture, why should I not fully benefit from and being an American? To go off of that, the DACA students you're saying they came here illegally. It's not them. It's their parents. They came here they before didn't make the age that of 16. Decision. It. I mean, for most of them, or at least almost all of them, they didn't make that decision. It wasn't theirs, and that's why I think. This program, on top of many programs, you can't even make that argument. It wasn't their decision. It wasn't their decision. They came here, and they don't have a past to go back to. They don't have anything to go back to. So we should give them the best opportunity we can here in America. You know, I actually, I, I do think they have a past to go back to, and that's the American past. They are American. They, they, they're just as American as anyone else is. You know, these are, not, these are not people who have spent a year in, in, in America. They're people who have spent literally their whole lives in America. And the fact that we're taking that away from them, well, you know, when nullifying that, the, the amount of years that they spend in America as Americans, then that's not fair. It, it, it really isn't. And the, it just, you know, to make matters worse, the DACA program, it's not a permanent thing. You know, you could write, let's say, hypothetically, you do pay that, um, you, you find a way to pay th- that $44,000, you know, to go to the University of Georgia. Uh, you, you, your DACA, you know, your permit could be not renewed in two years. After two mm-hmm. years, you know, there isn't a guarantee. You could get, you know, in trouble with the law, you know, you know, get a felony or something, and that could be stopping you. So, but I right, mean, no, all listen, these odds are stacked against you, <laughs> and it's tough to say that someone can be equally as successful as someone as, as, an, as, as an American with full rights. No, but com- committing a felony or committing a crime shouldn't be an excuse. I mean, okay, like it's. I feel like these people are fortunate that they, they are being given an opportunity here, and like if I, I feel it's unfair to say that. Um, like you know, committing a crime crime is like something that's going against them. I mean, it is, but like, if if you're here illegally, I mean, but they're and, not here illegally. No, they are here illegally. Dude, I, I mean, think if you got convicted of a felony, no, no, the right no, thing no, to no, do. Yeah, but the right thing to do to not get the DACA program reviewed. No, 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 no. But, but what I would say is, right, here I'm not when I, when I say a felony, I say you know small mistakes, small mistakes. But felonies are people, not small mistakes. People could get up and I mean. I, people could get up, people could get caught up in, in, in small, having such something stacked, having um, almost the world stacked up against you like that, it could affect you. It, it really could. And this is why we, we see in, in certain neighborhoods, things are stacked mm-hmm. up against you and it's hard to make it out. So if you have the pressure to you know, pay for your school, to earn, to earn something, it, it's much easier to fall into the wrong path. And so it, falling, you, it, it's much easier for you to fall into the wrong path mm-hmm. and end up making bad decisions that end up nullifying you as a DACA recipient. I see what you're saying, but again, I still think like, if you want to be a DACA recipient, if you want to stay in this country, you got to try at least your best to be squeaky clean. And I mean, yeah. it's difficult. And I agree, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Because it, I mean, you have this $44,000 bill, you're going to be trying to like, pay find for it at all costs. It. It's, that's why I, I, I think we should find better ways to help them. But I don't think like, if they commit the felony, I don't think they should be able to be Stay on DACA. Don't I mean, get me wrong. I'm not condoning or supporting anyone who would commit. I think you know if you commit, depending on on what size of crime and, and you know and how many people it affects and you know just based on the law. I don't think I'm not condoning that and I'm not saying that you should be getting a pass. But what I'm saying is that even if this DACA recipients, even if they do stay squeaky clean, as we can see with this law, it seems like they don't benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's, why I, I think in a perfect in world there'd be an equality of opportunity, right? Everyone can at least try and do their best. If, if they try their best in school and have the best grades, I mean, they can go anywhere they want. It's, the Amer- it's not a perfect world, right? Yeah, they can't that, yeah, do that. But the government should try their best to, I mean, at least aid in making it a bit, like, level out the, 
level out the, the world. I mean, everything should be, the government should at least try and make it equaler, you know. Do you guys think that, you know, we have the, any any possible solutions to this? Do you think the states should be able to dictate what, what rights um, the DACA recipients have? I think if you're a DACA recipient, you should have every single thing a normal resident in the United States has. Not necessarily an American, but a resident in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that like they should. It's, 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 it's a complex situation. It's complex, yeah. And I don't, yeah. I like, I, I think you're, you, you, agree that um, what's it called? States shouldn't have uh, the like the right to just like choose what they want for the DACA re- residents in their state, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that. I th- you think I, it should be like federal? No, but the reason federal, why I don't right? think that is because if if the federal government is al- is allowing um, the DACA recipients to have full American rights, then the state should not go against that yeah, I, and yeah, decide I agree to with that. you know tip off one that. and say you know what you can get almost all of them but not this one I don't think it should be like that but if I think the state should have the power to make laws you know that affects their citizens but it sh- I don't think it should be in, in the DACA in the DACA um, recipient uh, situation I don't think they should have that right yeah I think a DACA recipient should have everything a resident in the United States should have if not more right mm-hmm. and how much more I mean that's a different question right I mean yeah what do you mean by should, more though? well I mean exactly. they need financial aid right I mean how are they going to go to co- like they should at least be eligible for, na- for financial aid. I mean, that's that's, yeah. a, that's a simple question, right? Yeah. Financial aid is, I mean, it's, it's 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 almost a necessity for nearly everyone attempting yeah. to go to college. And I mean, a DACA recipient, it's even more necessary. And I think like, yeah, there should I mean, be we should be trying to get yeah. them to integrate into society, not go down the wrong path, as Gil said, and make them like. You we know, shouldn't put them in corners. I, I yeah. think that exactly. the the laws that are that are you know in place right now with the fina- with the federal financial aid and with the in-state tuition, what we're doing is that we're putting people in corners. We, you know, number mm-hmm. one number one rule: you don't put somebody in a corner, and not because they shouldn't be able to figure their way out of it. Is that you know desperate times call for desperate measures, and we don't want that. That's mm-hmm. not what we want. <clears throat> it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're saying mm-hmm. all these illegal immigrants are criminals. And you're not giving them any opportunities. Well, guess what? They're gonna turn to crime. They're gonna, yeah, exactly. And I mean, they, do you think that uh, the that the DACA pro- as of now the DACA um, recipient program it's you renew it every two years? Do you think that should be you know that should be should they add more time? Should they take off time? I think maybe add more time, but make it so there's like clauses, right? So if you get convicted of a felony mm-hmm. or you start going down the wrong path or you start like not being a contributing member of society. I mean, your DACA, your DACA residency should maybe be taken into question, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's not a path to citizenship. As I said, it's temporary residency. That's the idea behind it. So if you don't want it to be temporary residency, you're gonna have to make something completely new, and it can't just be DACA. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be a completely different idea. All right. Our, um, our next, sorry about that, George. Our next topic is um the cell phone ban, cell phone ban at schools in France. What do you think about this, George? <clears throat> so yeah, on a lighter note, in France recently, this past school year, um. There's basically just been put this new law been that's been put in place, um, basically saying that like all students that are between the age of three and fifteen can't bring their phones to school, or did they just like have to keep them shut off when they're at school? And I mean, this has been a major issue in schools. I mean, cell phones can be used for basically anything, right? You have a massive computer at your hands; it can be a distraction. It can be used for cheating, really. It can be used for anything. And so the school wants to control this, right? They don't want to be able to, I mean, let you be distracted. They want to make sure you learn, right? And then they don't want to let you cheat they want to make sure it's controlled environment and they can make sure you're actually learning yeah exactly i mean this is something we see at our school all the time i mean in class i feel like the teacher has to like at least once every class tell us tell a student to get off their phone 
I mean, I think that like it just shouldn't be something teachers have to worry about or students. I mean, because they're also, you know, they're really not benefiting from in, from using their phone in, in class. In my it's opinion, it's just negatively affecting. I'm them. very happy that it's three to fifteen, right? When you're three to fifteen, you're you're more or less a child, right? You yeah. can't make your own decisions. Once you get to sixteen, that's when you're kind of becoming an adult. Someone who's sixteen, you can't be babying them. You can't be telling them, oh, you can't be on your phone. I mean, they're at a point where really they should be able to make yeah. their own decisions. If they don't, if they want to <laughs> slack off in class. If they don't want to do their work, that's their decision. It's affecting them, and, like, they know the effect on their lives at that point in their lives. I think they're mature enough to make their own decisions. I I do really agree with that point. I think it should be – I mean, I do agree that cell phones are a distraction, and we see this all the time. Belmont High School is working – relentlessly to to put to, to put policies in place that you know cut down the, the amount of cell phone usage at school but it's it's tough to to cut down you know to cut down on the phone when you know I go to school with my with my laptop and my iPad and my phone hmm. so right you cut down my phone I have my iPad most of my classes require me to have an iPad you even if you take out the iPad right I still have my laptop so these if you take taking away the I taking away the phone doesn't take away the problem the problem is that you know I guess it's a, it's a good thing, but the classroom is moving forward technologically, and more, more and more classrooms are utilizing iPads, computers. So taking away the phone doesn't necessarily mean that you're solving the issue. The issue is students are getting distracted. Well, I think it solves the main issue, right? The main issue is the teacher doesn't want you going on Snapchat and just snapping yeah. all your friends throughout the class. The teacher doesn't want you going through Instagram. I, you can still do that on the iPad. It's much more obvious when you're doing it on the iPad. It's yeah, much more yeah. obvious when you're doing it on the laptop. I mean, there's a difference between... If you're trying to cheat... And you're yeah. using an iPad or a laptop, the teacher's going to be like, hey, what are you doing? If you're on your phone, you have it hidden below your desk. It's kind of hard for the teacher. So I think it takes out the main issue. There's still there's still going to be kinks. There's still going to be, like, I mean, there's going to be examples where people still abuse their technology in, mm-hmm. in the wrong way. But I think overall, the issue is the phone, and they're trying to prevent that. I think it personally comes down to you as an individual. If you feel like you want to use a phone you should be ready. You want to use a phone in class. You should be able, You should be ready and accept the consequences that comes with that. So you could spend, you know, forty-five minutes of a class on your phone, mm-hmm. or you couldn't. And you know, the benefits or the results of that show up on the test. So it, I think rather than the school, the school shouldn't really enforce that. I think it should be you as an individual, right? Why are you going to school? Are you going to school to play v- games and Snapchat, or are you going to school to get education, a valuable education? So it should be an individual thing, right? For me, when I think about it, it's like, right, my parents want me to be somewhere in, in the next, in a certain amount of years. In order for me to get there, that means that I don't use my phone for 45 minutes when I'm in math class. I actively make that decision. I could use my phone, but I make sure not to. So I think yeah. it, it, it should be put on the student because as, right, as you grow from, you know, from preteen to teenage years to adulthood, you should you should be getting challenged. You, you shouldn't be getting everything done for you. You should be getting challenged, and you should be your decision making should be should be getting challenged. Yeah, but I mean, there's also like a difference because if it's a young kid who doesn't know any better, I mean, there's uh, when you're still really young, there isn't that much motivation. I mean, if why not just go on your phone and like like just play games on your phone, for example. Like, I feel like if, if a kid isn't being guided, it's so easy to just, like, really not take things seriously at school. So, like, why let so many kids slip up? I mean, when you could just, like, help them so much by just stopping it from happening in the first place and basically forcing them to, to focus in class and just take it seriously. Forcing them to focus in class, I don't think you can actually do you can't, you can't force someone to focus in class. Mm-hmm. You can try and eliminate distractions, but that doesn't always work. You could take away my phone, but I could be, you know, daydreaming every time in class. So I think... If we make it, you know, it's your personal responsibility. You do what you feel is right. And uh, this only applies, I think, 
you know, eighth grade or above. I think high school and above. This doesn't quite apply to, to the young kids. I think that's that's a little mm-hmm. different. To you know, to high schoolers, I think it should be your personal responsibility. If you feel like you want to pay attention in class and you want to get a hundred percent of the material that your teacher is is you know imp- putting on you, then you should make that decision. Yeah. So I think again, it's it goes back to the three to fifteen thing. If you're three to fifteen, yeah, making your own decisions, it's very hard. A child, they're not gonna take. Oh my, a three year old's not gonna think. Oh, I really want to learn math right now, right? So they're gonna want to go on their phone. They're also, gonna I don't wanna, think a, f- a three-year-old will have a cell phone. Wanna, <laughs> <they're gonna wanna laughs> no, but I mean, you, you, know you get the point. They're getting you younger get and point. younger now, right? That's true. And, and so, you know, I, I work at the um, I work at an after-school um, nonprofit program, and you know, fifth graders have iPhone the the, the, the latest iPhones. Mm-hmm. In yeah. fifth grade, I didn't even have a phone. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't have a phone until seventh grade, and it's yeah. interesting how technology is going is going mm-hmm. forward so fast, but you know. Should we should we let that should we like drop the age? Should kids be getting phones early and early? Should kids be getting laptops early and earlier on? That's it's an interesting question that parents have to deal with. You know, is it just because your uh, your, your daughter or your son has has friends that have you know the the latest MacBook or the latest iPhone? Should your daughter or your son have that? Yeah. That's a big question. But I mean, that's also that's another problem recently. I mean, the phenomenon of screen like screen addiction, just like constantly needing your phone, always wanting to be on your phone. I mean, there's even this thing called like. Um, like no no cell phone, no mobile phone phobia. It's just like this thing where like mm-hmm. when you don't have your phone on you, you literally feel like stressed or like freaked out because you don't have your like comfort des- device. You know, it's the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. seen um, some English teachers at Belmont High School. They've been you know putting up um they've been these assignments where you know you go thirty minutes without a phone and just write about what you see, go out in nature. And I think that's a positive step. That's a step mm-hmm. that's you know it's helping, especially us young people where. Everything is on our phone. You know, I can yeah. check my grades on my phone. I can text my friends. I can reach out to mm-hmm. maybe half of the school with one text message. Now, that that's really good, but that right, you have to be a responsible mm-hmm. person. You have to mm-hmm. be able to make good decisions. And I think definitely working with what Belmont High School is specifically doing, working to move cell phones away for, from the classroom is a, is a step forward. And I do, I, you know, I do mm-hmm. have to give credit to the, to, to the French government for doing this. This is, this, this is an important step. If we can get kids away from cell phones, we could probably do you know, a lot more than what we're doing right now. What I'd be interested to see is if test scores go up, right? There's standardized tests probably in France. I mean, there are definitely in America. Mm-hmm. Will the scores go up after, I mean, definitely, maybe not after a year, but will they, the next generation do better, right? So this is France basically saying, you know, we can't make your parents not buy you phones, but we don't think you're ready or mature enough to really make the right decision with this phone because yeah. ba- you, ba- you have everything, right, on this yeah. phone. And so we don't think you're mature enough to make this decision. So we're saying at least when you're in school, you can't use it, right? And then we're going to make sure you learn what you need to learn and you do what you need to do so that you'll be successful in school and you'll be successful in the future. Yeah, and I think I even have an answer to your question, Paul, because there was a study done by the London School of Economics and Political Scientists, and it basically just showed that, like, test scores went up when um, uh, cell phones were banned in school. So, I mean, it clearly there is, like, a correlation mm-hmm. between the two. And, I mean, uh, back to Gil's point before about, you know, taking time uh, without your phone. I remember freshman year we had this assignment in school, actually, where we, we were technically supposed to try to spend 24 hours technology-free. And I think I see Paul, Paul laughing back there because, like, no one, no one in our school did it. I mean, no one really made the effort to actually do the 24 hours without any technology whatsoever. I mean, I know that everyone I talked to, they just said that they just, you know, they lied about the whole thing. And I tried my best. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I want... Yeah. I think I want most. I, 
I maybe went on my phone once or twice. <laughs> I, I think I broke it. <laughs> no, and I mean, I think maybe there were people like like Paul that like you know made actually made an effort to you know put away their phone, but they just couldn't ju- because of that phobia again. You know that like that new term people have been using, no phone phobia. Just that thing where you're stressed when you don't have your phone. You always need your phone. You always like you have a you feel like you need your phone with you to function mm-hmm. like properly. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I, as Paul brought up, I'm very interested to see how the test scores are going to be affected. Because, again, phones are used for cheating. You know, people yeah. use phones to cheat. And it's unfair to know that someone's... Sometimes you'll know someone's cheating in a class, but it can't be a snitch. You know, people, if, you, if, if a word comes mm-hmm. out that you're the one who p- called out someone for cheating, you know, that you're probably going to have a rough time at school. And mm-hmm. it's tough, you, you know, it, it's really tough. to wor- You're working really hard in a class to get a good grade and then someone who doesn't work as hard, someone who's cheating, gets a better grade than you. So I think phones, I don't see a benefit of phones mm-hmm. in school. That, that's just it. Yeah. I really don't. And it's interesting that schools are moving, you know, they're moving forward so fast technologically, but how are they going to deal with, you know, with the mm-hmm. issues at school? Yeah, they have to, I mean, like we said, they have to like, keep up with the, with the new problems they're facing, the mm-hmm. phone addiction and all yeah, that Yeah, every stuff. year there's something else that they're trying to limit or they're trying to yeah. change, right? This year they're having like you can't you have to put your phone somewhere before you come into the class to make sure you're focused during class. I know sometimes when I'm in class I'll be like wait where's my phone now I realized oh wait mm-hmm. I put in this I put in the spot right. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you're not necessarily responding to all the text messages, mm-hmm. every time my phone every time I get a notification my phone buzzes. That's a distraction. And you feel an impulse to check it. So you had a conversation with someone and said someone said you know I'll get back to you at, at some point and you get a notification. It might not be related, but you're like, oh, wait, so-and-so told me to, they're going to get back to me. It could be them. And you're at least zoned out for... You're, you're zoned yeah. out. Mm-hmm. You're, they, you're spending time in class, but a percentage of that time is not in, 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 what's go, in, the, content, in the content mm-hmm. of what you're learning in class. Yeah. So that's, it's very interesting mm-hmm. how teachers and parents are going to have to deal and with that. I think that. that's going to help like, obey that, like, that like, need to take out your mm-hmm. phone. If you know you don't have it, if you know you can't have it, you're not even going to worry about it. Yeah. For, for at least most of the students, right? Yeah, and, and uh, back to sorry, go back to what Paul was saying actually about this thing where um, this new system at our school, where in some classes you have to drop off your phone at the beginning of class in this uh, basically like a bag that everyone has. I've seen some students even cheat their way out of that. Uh, like they try to just put their phone case in there so it looks like their phone is there, but mm-hmm. it isn't actually there just because they they feel like they always need their phone. You would be worked? surprised yeah, what high school <laughs> students or what students how far they would go to keep their phone. I, I was actually I was in Germany this summer and I, I I had a friend of mine there and I went to a German school, and you know what the, the school does not have Wi-Fi. Yeah. The school does not have Wi-Fi. They use um they use Ethernet lines for their school computers. Phones are no phones are just not allowed in school, and I found that that's so interesting. You know, people are their high school is just like me, and there even isn't like you know a Wi-Fi. The yeah. other day, last week, you know, we've been struggling with Wi-Fi at the school, and everyone has been complaining. <laughs> how can you not have Wi-Fi? How can you not Wi-Fi? How can you not have Wi-Fi? Yeah. And you know why? It's because we all want to check our Snapchat. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> we're not complaining for Wi-Fi because we don't have access to Google Docs to write our paper. <laughs> That's not it. It's That's because not the we, main concern it's not with, the main with concern. some students. It's because we cannot update our location and we cannot update, you know, we cannot put our newest selfie on, on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, you can't constantly check. We can't constantly no. check. Uh, but I think, but you know, besides the school, what are parents going to do? Because there's many rules that you know the school or, or, or the school might enforce, but parents don't enforce. So I think it's not just you know a school thing; mm-hmm. it's up to the parents to also yeah. enforce. You know, right? If your son or daughter is doing their homework, there is absolutely no reason to be on your phone. Yeah, there really isn't. If they want to listen to music, stereo radio is always available. Mm-hmm. You know, an iPod, 
doesn't not distract you. You know, it's yeah. small. You, you, so these these ways around this, and I feel like parents sometimes but don't fully. You know, in my use opinion, those. like if you're really like forcing your kid not to have their phone, right? Mm-hmm. Once they go off to college, once they go off somewhere else, once there's no big brother, you know, telling you exactly what to do, you're kind of gonna go off the rails. You're gonna, you know, just zone out. You because once you get, if you don't give someone the option and give them the option after a while. They're going to, and that's why I think I like this yeah. year to 15. Once they're 16, you have to be mature enough to make your own decisions. You have to decide, I don't, I'm yeah. not using my phone right now. Now I have to use my, now I have to use um, an iPod. Now I have to just do yeah. my homework. Now I have to focus, right? Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Paul. You should definitely mm. try both things out because, I mean, a few times last year, I mean, I would have my phone right next to me and I would stu- when I was studying. And I just can't tell you how much of a distraction it is. Like, mm-hmm. you can get your work done so much faster if you really just try being quick and efficient and get it done with. I mean, it can just take so much more time when your phone is just right next to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, so now what, what I try doing is I just try to, like, put it in, a, in another room or something where I can't hear it, where I just, like, can't see any of the notifications on my phone. And I'm, I work so much more efficiently now, so. Yeah, I've actually, I've, I've been, this year I've, I've kind of just changed the way I looked at cell phones. We, you know, we had an assignment at the beginning of the year, and that, you know, to go a whole weekend without a cell phone. And I did that. And that, you know, the first day was almost like hell, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm used to spending upwards of seven hours on my phone, you know. Really? I'm used to spending upwards of s- seven hours facing a screen. Let me correct that. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not my phone, it's my computer. If, if it's not my computer, it's my iPad. So I'm always looking, you know, I'm always looking at a screen. And I went a whole weekend without really doing that. And, you know, just everything was different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My relation with my friends, when you go out, I'm not checking my Snapchat. I'm asking them, oh, how was your week, guys? You know, like, it's, yeah. it's so, it's weird. Yeah. It's almost yeah. weird that, you know, when it's sad that it's like, it's, it's sad. It's like, funny, you know, though, when I'm, when I'm having was... my tea in the morning, yeah. I'm not on my phone. I'm yeah. actually mm-hmm. enjoying what I'm having. It's very yeah. interesting. And I think, you know, as a challenge, right, for all listeners and our viewers, you should try that. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to go a whole weekend. Try and go, you know, a Saturday without your phone, a Sunday mm-hmm. without your phone. It's the the feeling you get is 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 just it's something that you you will you'll fall in love with it it's it's an amazing feeling just knowing that you're not bound to this thing mm-hmm. it's funny though because this was like an extra credit project right and I, you had to write about it and then talk about it in class I remember someone talked about it in class and I was like huh that's interesting I saw them post on their Snapchat story this weekend so like <laughs> really like yeah. even if you want to do it like some people just they can't and they'll they'll fake it right I mean it's like and that's why I think you're you not, but you're not benefiting anything right? when you're, you're doing lying that. to yourself yeah. at that point. I, I, mm-hmm. That's the worst thing you could, you know, do to yourself. Yeah. Lying to yourself is the mm-hmm. one thing you can do. But that's uh, that's that the phone conversation goes on, and you know, yeah. me and my dad on the drive to school always talking. And you know, my dad works at, at, at the Chenery, and he's always saying, "These kids, they're they're attached to their phones." Yeah. Which you, at the Chenery, you're not even allowed to have your phone at school, <laughs> but for some reason, these kids have their phones. It's yeah. very interesting to see how teachers. And, you know, how governments, that's, yeah. that's interesting, how governments are, are dealing with it. Yeah. Definitely to combat cheating, just distractions that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And I think at, at the end result is going to be positive. I think this is going to be a positive move yeah. for the for the French students. And, you know, I'm I'm not just saying this, but I think I would like to be a French student with this <laughs> era. Growing up in yeah. an era without cell phones, you know, I've been to two countries where they mm-hmm. they strictly no phones at school, and it's so different than, yeah. than American schools. And I would like to see that mm-hmm. maybe you know happen in Massachusetts or even in Belmont. And I think their education systems actually rank better than ours. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what European <laughs> country is, and to be honest, but like, yeah, yeah they have. <laughs> but that's that's it's very interesting. We'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. And that has been it for our show. Thank you for joining us again. You can find our show at iTunes. You can Google it up, the Humble High School Podcast. Mm-hmm. 
or you can check out um, you can check out our podcast at www.humblepodcast.com. Again, and that's podcast with an S plural. So <laughs> again, that's mix that up. Yeah. Www. www.humblepodcasts.com. That's with an S. You can find our lineup of shows. Thank you for joining us. It's, I'm your host, Gil Christian Boyle, George Bacazzi, and Paul Muser. Thank you for joining us. Support for this podcast comes from Arts Emerson, presenting Shakespeare's Measure for Measure in a ripped-from-the-headlines context. Here for one week only, October 24th through 28th at the Emerson Cutler Majestic Theater. Tickets at artsemerson.org. Support for this podcast comes from Arts Emerson, presenting Shakespeare's Measure for Measure in a ripped-from-the-headlines context. Here for one week only, October 24th through 28th at the Emerson Cutler Majestic Theater. Tickets at artsemerson.org.